Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favorites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we will be discussing Always new LP, Blue Rev, Birds in Rose, new album, Gris Klein, Giller Band's latest project, Most Normal, and the new release from Keiji Haino and Sumac, Into This Juvenile Apocalypse, Our Golden Blood to Pour Letters Never. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list on our website at www.modulat.io. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at modulat underscore io. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan. Hello. So, I mean, I was saying to you just just before um, we were recording that, I mean, I, I did. I felt like I didn't get to get to anywhere near as much releases as I wanted to for the, this week, and then I was having like a look through it just before, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much stuff I want to talk about. This is crazy." <laughs> yeah, sometimes I felt like there's a lot of headline releases that we know there's going to be a lot. But I felt like I just kept digging and digging, and yeah. there's more and more amazing stuff. I've I've rated more things at a nine or higher this week than I think in any other any other episode I've ever done. Wow. Uh, it's just. Almost every, almost every one of the shoutouts I absolutely loved, and uh, it made it pretty tricky to pick some of the even like random things that you would send me late. And I was like, "Oh, this is actually amazing!" <laughs> uh, so yeah, just an insane amount of cool stuff to, to talk about. I mean, w- w- do you want to get started and go into the shoutouts? Yeah, sure. Uh, cool. So the the first the first record I want to shout out is the new uh, record by Vessel of Iniquity called "The Path Unseen." Uh, Vessel of Iniquity are a uh, really, really interesting black metal outfit. Uh, their previous record, The Doorway, from last year was one of my favorite albums of last year, One of my, particularly one of my favorite metal albums of last year. And they just uh, have one of the most unique sort of noise dissonance-focused approaches to black metal that I've I've heard in the sense that, I don't know, a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of the, the dissonant sort of black metal stuff tends to lean heavy on sort of black and death metal, whereas this goes slightly more in the direction you've heard on, like, I guess, like uh, a Mnema record, which we talked about on a, a previous episode, but uh, sort of from a more, like, technical dissonant angle. And I think, uh, yeah, it's a really cool combination of the, I guess, the two more general approaches to this kind of music. And it's just, like even more like horrible to listen to them both uh yeah no really great uh new record from uh one of one of the most interesting uh like underground black metal bands at the moment i think that's uh that's really cool i I was talking to a friend of mine about um how i felt like this was like one of the best years for hip-hop ever but the more i think about it i think this has been an even better year for like metal and extreme music because i've just i've never seen a, a a year in music where we had so many just insanely cool albums like this, or super experimental black metal noisy albums um, that are all doing their own their own thing and sort of having their own separate spaces. It's really cool to see. Um, I guess with with these ones, you have to dig way harder for them. <laughs> They're usually way more obscure. Um, I'm going to start with an album that is not obscure at all, which is uh, Bill Callahan's new album, Reality. Uh, so. Bill Callahan's been been doing this for quite a long time, um, releasing really uh, thoughtful, well-written singer-songwriter albums since 2007. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of his album from last year, which was Blind Date Party, uh, but I think this one is 
significantly stronger. Um, the instrumentation for it is just really, really creative and um, I think like does such a great job of complementing the songwriting, which is just fantastic as always. I, I don't know, I feel like the whole thing melts together so much better than any of his more recent projects, going back to maybe like Shepherd and Sheepskin Dust. Awesome, yeah. So, I mean, Bill Callahan's a bit of a blind spot for me. I've never listened to his stuff. Would you say that this is like a good sort of entry point into his discography or like is there any sort of records you, you'd recommend first? I think so, yeah. This or um, Sometimes I Wish We Were an Eagle, which is his 2009. It's like one of his earlier releases. I think that's a good point. They're, they're, they're quite different releases. But, um, yeah, this, sure. is pretty, this is pretty essential in his catalogue, I'd say. Awesome. Uh, the next record I want to mention is a new EP by Fire Tools called I Will Not Use the Body's Eyes Today. Uh, Fire Tools continues to make some of the weirdest electronic, industrial, metal, ambient music. Uh, it's maybe not as crazy as some other releases, but I think it's got some really, really awesome moments, especially the track Vedic Software where interfacing. Uh, that uh, the yeah the EP is just worth checking out for that song in particular. I think it's um one of one of her best in uh yeah that I've that I've heard in quite a while. Um yeah, I just thought this was a really solid sort of thirty minute project that kind of just distilled what's so fun and unique about the Fire Tools project. Uh yeah, I completely agree. I, I've I've never uh, heard an artist doing anything like what Fire Tools is putting out, and. This is no like uh, unlike any Fire Tools release. On top of that, it's like yeah. super super unique and super interesting. Um, from I think one of the most talented producers around at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah this this is great. Um, I've got another shout out for uh, another folky record, which would be uh, Suave Pendiente by Ninos del Cerro. Uh, I've almost certainly butchered that. Um, so this is a, a Chilean project. Um, I, I knew nothing about them. I saw people were hyping it up. Uh, when I looked up their older stuff, looks like their 2018 album Lance got a, a decent amount of press attention and got people quite excited for this new one. Um, and I can see why, because it's fantastic. <laughs> it's just like really mellow, soothing, I guess leaning into like neo-psych uh, music. Um, I, I had absolutely no expectations going to this and I was really pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Uh, the the next record I want to mention is uh, the new album from Givura, uh, Gehenom. They are uh, a Quebec-based um, sort of black metal project, again, on sort of on the more dissonant side of things. Uh, and they're a project that I've always I've always liked, but never quite loved. I never feel like I never felt like they put out a sort of really just high quality front to back record prior to this and i think this is this is uh yeah this is definitely um them coming through with that i think uh it's just a lot more consistent uh, uh interesting than uh, as a full record than, than their previous stuff and i think uh yeah if you're if you're into sort of esoteric dissonant metal uh, which yeah, you know, uh, I, I end up talking about a lot on here, but um, yeah, this is this is another one not to miss out on. Hell yeah, uh, I heard Soul for Soul uh, ages ago because it was on Profound Law, and I haven't heard this one yet. And I thought that one was all right, so if this one's better, then it'll probably be pretty good. So I'm excited to check this out. Um, 
So my next shout out is for the new Lucretia Adult album, A, uh, with a, a regular exclamation mark at the end and a uh, upside down exclamation mark at the beginning. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is a, an art pop uh, album from Colombia, I guess, looking up the artist Columbia uh, Berlin sort of influence. Um, I, again, I wasn't familiar with this artist at all. I saw that she'd done uh, a project with Aaron Delaway, who we've talked about before, which I think is a lot weirder than this one. This one is pretty uh, pretty accessible, um, lots of really interesting Latin influences. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very... It feels like a very complex and um, dense record, and I didn't get the time that I wanted to probably dig into it, but I will be because um, I thought it was very exciting. Yeah, no, this one was fantastic. I, again, it's one that I feel like I wish I'd spent a bit more time with uh, prior to, to sort of mentioning it. But um, yeah, it's just a really beautiful, well-written record. Uh, yeah, I've only listened to it a couple times, but it um, really caught my ear uh, both times. So. Yeah, they're definitely going to be one I'm going back to. Um, the uh, my next shout out is the new record from Guatemalan uh, artist Mabi Frati called Seve Desde Aqui. Again, not <laughs> probably not great pronunciation, uh, but uh, Mabi Frati is a really fantastic sort of ambient art pop. Uh, experimental music artist who released one of my favorite albums of of last year uh Seraque Ahora Parentos Entertainers I think uh which was um a really really interesting take on sort of art pop including some really interesting applications of sort of EAI and other sort of improvisational electronic music uh, and I'm not sure this this record is quite as good, but uh, it's still fantastic. Still, some really lovely, interesting textures, sort of being folded into a, a really, really great art pop release. Um, yeah, continues to be uh, just I think a really, really underrated artist within sort of that sphere of music. Oh, I can't believe I, uh, I hadn't heard of this one. There's a lot of uh, really cool um, Latin influenced albums that we're talking about uh, between yeah. observers, but. Um, yeah, this looks uh, absolutely incredible. I'm very, very sad to share this out. I had not heard of this artist at all. This will be uh, straight to the top. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, exciting releases that I, I, I hadn't sort of see, seen come out, so uh, just today I, I discovered a new um, collaboration between Faust and Keiji Haino, who we'll be talking about a little bit more later, called This Is The Right Path. Um, so... I don't know much about this album yet. I've only listened to it once. It appears to be a live collaboration between Faust and Keiji Haino. Uh, the cover is um, of the, uh, oh, I said the, the classic Faust Krautrock release. I think it's just Faust. I think it's just yeah. self-titled. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's very Krautrocky and very noisy. And you can really hear the influences from both artists on this. Um, I mean, if you like either artist, you'll definitely like this one. Uh, but this is more of a, a PSA that this actually exists, and it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I completely missed that this came out as well, and this has gone right to the top of my list as a, as a huge <laughs> fan of, of both artists. Uh, for my next shout-out, 
we have the new debut record from sort of London death metal band Vacuous. It's called Dreams of Dysphoria. And I just thought that this was a really excellent death metal release. I think uh, it sort of combined the more sort of atmospheric cavernous side of death metal with slightly more the slightly more riff focused side usually i think the more i guess atmospheric side of of death metal can get a bit i don't want to say boring but like just relying too much on the actual sonics rather than songwriting and i think this this record really balances those, those two things fantastically i think uh the yeah the vocals are fantastic and it just sounds great uh, I mean, this is just, if you like death metal, you like this. Um, yeah. Huge shout out to Vacuous. Um, yeah. Especially Joe, who's great. <laughs> um, I mean, again, weird, weird metal release. Looks pretty cool. I will say this one has one of the uh, most distressing looking covers of any of the albums that we've, we've talked about. Maybe this year. It looks absolutely disgusting. Uh, well, well up for this. Um so, uh, talking talk of weird covers, I guess, that's a good segue. Um, the next album uh, I want to talk about is the new drum core album, Creatures. So this is one you you put me onto and we, we were both big fans of. Um, uh, this album took me completely by surprise. Uh, it looks really, like, bizarre. Um, it's basically, like, a cross between mathcore, cybergrind, and noise um i don't really i don't really know what to say about this one it's just very weird if you like if you like mathcore and you wish mathcore was weirder and finished with a five minute noise track uh this is probably the album for you yeah <laughs> five minute noise track in a 20 minute album <laughs> yeah i feel like the way i would sell this record is like if the if the laser noises in that last frontier album didn't go mm. far enough for you yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Then, then this is your record. Yeah, um, <laughs> Drunkor. Uh, I really loved uh, Grist from two thousand six, I think, and then since then I did not care for any of the material really until the 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 stuff in the last couple of years has been really really fantastic, just sort of out of nowhere, and this being the the sort of first album since then, sort of moving into this more sort of cyber grind uh, focus direction. And uh, dude is absolutely killing it. I think this uh, this is just really, really fantastic. Wall to wall bangers. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, v- very intense and fun record. Um, so I've now got to the, the point of my shouts where I'm just going to be talking about <laughs> sort of next year's snow and adjacent stuff because there was so much uh, to to get through over the last couple of weeks, as, as there usually is, I guess. But um, I thought especially there was sort of... A ver- sort of a, enough of a variety in in the content and for how high quality it was. I mm. wanted to, to mention a few. The first one being the new Hollow Mirror record. Uh, it's down on Rate Your Music as Three of Swords. So I think it has a different name on Bandcamp. Uh, but this is a really, really interesting record, especially within the context of the sort of uh, Nessie Snow 218, etc., etc. Uh, sort of collective in the sense that this is a real like black gaze noise influenced record uh, f- uh oh of course and i didn't mention of course uh hollow mirror being uh, a octomobius schaffner sort of alias 
Uh, and yeah, they're they're um they're making some really interesting sort of noise black gay stuff on here. It reminded me a lot of a a criminally underrated record um, called Deformer by Vorpal Sword in the really interesting sort of noise, almost like melodic noise approach to to black gaze. I thought this was just a really interesting release conceptually, and I thought it was pulled off pretty well. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting uh, from coming from uh, Octa. Yeah, so um, I was surprised to see this come out under the Hollow Mirror um, alias because so the last Hollow Mirror, uh, Hollow Mirror release was called Imagine Confidentiality. I think I gave a shout out to it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was like well, it only came out like three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, that 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 was fantastic, but it, it sounded nothing like this. And so I, I don't know. I, I wasn't quite sure why why this one was part of that label. Um, I really liked it though. I think for me, I. I wasn't sure at first because I didn't love the first track. Whereas for me, it really came into its own in track two of, of two. There's only two tracks. Um, so, yeah, to me, the second, like, 20 minutes of this was really, really good. And the first 20 minutes build up was, like, fine. It was, it was like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. But um, as it got further and further through, I was more and more impressed by this release. Um. So uh, another album I listened to this Fortnite was the new Open Mike Eagle album, a tape called Component System with the Auto Reverse. Um, so I've been a fan of Open Mike Eagle for for quite a long time, um, but I wasn't so impressed with Anime Trauma and Divorce, which like in theory should have been one of his most personal records, given the subject matter. And it just didn't really do very much for me. Um, although I do absolutely adore Brick Body Kids Still Daydream. Um, so I was I was a bit hesitant because it's like been five years since Big Brick Body Kids. And I haven't loved any of his work since then. Um, and for the most part, I was pretty impressed by this. I, I thought it was a little bit all over the place in terms of quality. Like sometimes it was fine and sometimes it was some of the best hip-hop i think he's ever ever produced um but for the most part i thought it was just really good yeah no i i feel like this this one felt like almost like a back to basics record for open mike eagle i i kind of felt similarly about uh mm. anime trauma and divorce that record really didn't do anything for me either to be honest uh but um yeah no this this is yeah i would say a return to form i i really enjoyed this one as well um so the next release I want to mention is another Automobile Schaffner one, uh, with uh, this one being its only total information. Uh, this was a really cool sort of like Coil-inspired uh, record with the with the sort of album cover being, I guess, a play on on the Ape and Naples cover. And uh, yeah, again, I this is more sort of within the traditional like Automobile Schaffner. Warhouse, but it's got some some I guess more more droney influences on it, and you can definitely hear sort of uh, the yeah you can definitely hear the 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 sort of reverence being paid to to Coil in, in this record. I think uh, just for that sort of connection, I think it makes it kind of stand out a little bit within uh, the discography. And yeah, I just thought this was another really solid record. Very nice. Um, so uh, 
The next shout out for me is the new Liturgy EP, As the Blood of God Bursts the Veil of Times. I really like Liturgy. Uh, I was very excited to, to hear there was a new album coming out, although I guess it's going to be next year now. Um, and this EP started over was pretty cool. It's relatively short. Um, and I don't think it goes anywhere near far enough sort of exploring those ideas, but the ideas that were there were, were really great. And I think it looks like this, these concepts will be fleshed out into the full album when that comes out. So I'm more excited for the, for the next release, but uh, this one was really cool just to sort of see where it's, where it's going. Yeah, for sure. I've, this, this record definitely felt like, like sort of an album teaser rather than a yeah. sort of a designated EP. Uh, but as you mentioned, really cool ideas, uh, and yeah, it just made me very hyped. As yeah, I guess I, mean, I already was for the the next Lithuanian album. It's been a really interesting period of transition, pardon the pun, um, for uh, liturgy, considering like the phase of the career where we had like Aesthetica and the artwork, and then going from that to Hack. An origin of the Alamanes, where like suddenly we had like the the sort of soundscape and the potential for the for the project just like exploded. Yeah, and so I'm incredibly excited to see what the next step in that is. Absolutely, uh, and yeah, no, uh, Lizzie are fantastic, and yeah, really excited for that record. Uh, but yeah, to to close things out on my end, uh, there's again another sort of next year's not adjacent release, but this is I guess sort of two slash three releases i guess um so both octomobia Shefna and audrey did uh have done sort of separate projects both um remixing uh an dj areco project uh they're both released under the name sim esr uh called one boutique infinity being the octa version and the one boutique sort of left facing arrow being the Audrey one. Uh, the, and it's really interesting seeing the, I guess the different approaches that they take for this from the same sample material. Uh, the Octa version is a lot more glitchy, a lot more sort of post-industrial, whereas the, uh, the Audrey version is a lot more, I guess like club focused. It has some really interesting sort of like DJ mix, like sample stuff in there. Uh, yeah. Um, very interesting. It's reminded me a lot of the um, the movie Crisis uh, record um, she put out not too long ago, uh, mm. which was fantastic. So uh, yeah, cool to see more of that kind of thing from her. Awesome. This has been uh, opening my tabs, and I just haven't got around to it. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to finally listening to this one. There's just too many next next year snow adjacent releases. Yeah, uh, it's very hard <laughs> to keep up with them all. Uh, I think I'm on my last shout out. We're there. Um, nice. Last shout out for me is uh, Cloud Rat's new album, Threshold. So I hadn't heard of Cloud Rat before I heard Pollinator in 2019. Um, that album really took me by surprise. I was going for a bit of a grindcore, scramsy phase at that point, and that album sort of blew my mind, and as such, I was pretty excited for this. Um, this one, I feel like, somehow feels a bit more thoughtful than that album. Um it's less just like blisteringly, I mean, it's still blistering fast, but it, it maybe doesn't feel like so mindlessly fast. And uh, I felt like the song structures were fleshed out a bit more. And overall, I thought this was a really nice progression of the project. I really, really like this one. Yeah, no, um, I thought this was really cool as well. I, as you mentioned, I feel like this this record felt like 
sort of a mixture between the stuff they were doing on Pollinator and also some of the, like, almost, like, I guess, popular, more electronic stuff they'd been doing on other releases and uh, sort of did live when I saw them earlier this year. Uh, mm. Yeah, no, um, I thought this was just, yeah, just a cool progression in their sound and a re really, really solid record from, uh, yeah, a band who continue to, to play out some of the more interesting uh, releases in Grindcore. For sure. Awesome. I think we're there. Yeah. So, would you like to introduce our, our first release of the episode? I, I would. Yeah, I'm just recovering from the last uh, the last twenty releases that we talked about. So, <laughs> the uh, the the first main album that we're going to talk about this week is probably the biggest release of the week. It is uh, Blue Rev by Always. Um, so this, I, I didn't think this release was ever going to come out. I was convinced that it would never happen. Because it's been a five-year wait since Antisocialites. And we, I just felt like we haven't heard much from the band since then. And then to see this suddenly getting singles teased early in the year, I just was like super, super excited. Um, always self-titled album and Antisocialites are two of my favourite pop albums ever. I really, really love those albums. I feel like a very sentimental attachment to those. So I was super hyped for this one. And um, I thought this was a really, like, if you'd asked me to guess what direction they were going to take this project in, I probably would have, you know, this 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 sort of uh, 90s shoegaze worship probably would have been high up there in sort of predictable uh, left turns for the band. But I, I think they do a really great job of of uh, of sort of integrating that into their style and making their own their own sound distinct from the sort of the albums that, that they're clearly inspired by and also the rest of their the earlier material. Um, I know you're not the the biggest always <laughs> fan, but like, yeah, how did you? Uh, I'm I'm really interested to to hear how you found this one. Yeah, so um, I, I gave you I gave you a couple of outs. You know, I was like, hey, we could talk about this if you didn't like it, but no, you know, so, we, we ended up picking it. So um, yeah, I mean, going into this, I was I I sort of left this one sort of uh, towards the end because uh, uh, it was one you mentioned. You said you you wanted to talk about, and I was like, okay, cool. This is one I'll I'll listen to before we record at some point, uh, and. As soon as I, I clicked on it and I pressed play, I'd realized, hang on, I've had this band <laughs> confused with a different band this entire time, and it's why I'd never listened to them. Uh, for some reason, I'd had them confused with Bleachers. I thought Always was the Jack Antonoff band, and I was like, that guy's really annoying, so I'm not going to listen to his music. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, sort of my expectations going in were, I mean, for a completely different band, so mm, I mean, yeah, you yeah. can't really be more off than than that, and yes. Yeah, so, so I guess sort of coming in, not even really knowing anything what to expect. Uh, I would say yeah, I was I was I was pretty pleasantly surprised. I mean, you you said you offered me offered me some outs, but I definitely I definitely did really enjoy this album. Uh, I think yeah. I, I so it's it's interesting you mentioned about sort of that this sort of being a shift towards like the sort of 90s shoegaze worship obviously because i haven't heard their previous releases uh mm. is sort of was it sort of more i guess like focused on like the tweed noise noise and indie pop stuff rather than i guess the more the more shoegaze uh inspired so stuff on this record 
Uh, Rate Your Music uh, has a Dennis Jengel pop, and I think that's that's a pretty accurate way of describing those two. It's right. very twee, very... Um, it's very just like... It's like safe, fun pop music, but there, there's... Uh, I think I think the the song composition and the writing on those albums are still great, but yeah. like musically, they're not doing anything exciting. Particularly, it's just it's just really good. Um, so like by comparison, this album introducing much noisier and spacier elements in it. I think it's like very very surprising. I guess, like, by, by now a lot of people have heard the singles, so maybe they won't be surprised anymore. But like, at the time, I think that was a pretty big left turn in terms of, like, the sound that they were going for. Because it's not really anything they've done before. Yeah, and I think that's that's really interesting, actually, just because of some of the things that I had sort of... Uh, I sort of was thinking about when listening to this record were sort of more to do with, I guess, that, that sort of noisier and, I guess, more shoegaze influence side of things. I mean... I think just, I mean, right off the bat, I think one of the first things that I noticed about this record was that it just sounded really fantastic. Uh, it, mm. It's just, yeah, sonically pristine. I think uh, I think it was Sean Everett who produced this. Uh, and I think he did a fantastic job with the production. I think um, what really made this record stand out to me from, from that standpoint was sort of the fact that I think every sort of individual layer, every sort of instrument track, whatever, didn't sound clean at all. They all sounded quite sort of rough and and not at all polished. But I think the way in which it was mixed around that, I think just everything slotted together really wonderfully to create a, a record that just sounded fantastic while still having sort of a bit of a rough edge to it. I just I thought it was um, just a really fantastic production production job on this thing, uh, and I think that really. I mean, first, along with being sort of one of the first things I noticed, being sort of a major contributor to why I just really enjoyed listening to this album, you know? Mm, yeah, for sure. And I think, like, so a lot of the decision, a lot, a lot of the changes in sound, I think, come from some of the backstory that has affected the the band over the last five years, which is is is, is what, like things I wasn't aware of until I read the liner notes, finally getting my hands on the album. So like. I didn't know that they'd had a load of their demos stolen or like they had a load of their gear trashed or two people left the band or there's like there, there have been quite a few significant changes that basically sort of forced them to start again um, and to go like a little bit different to, to what they were doing before, which I don't I mean, I'm sure I'm sure people were aware of it at the time, but I wasn't. So that was like <laughs> my my own experience of that was very interesting to see the approach they ended up taking in the end. Nice. Yeah, I mean, so to 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 sort of get on into, um, I guess their their approach on this record, we we have been mentioning sort of shoegaze quite a lot, and I think um, that definitely is. I mean, it's a huge sort of reference point for this record. I think. I mean, uh, just from the opener, pharmacist. I think uh, the guitars and the vocals. I, it just immediately, I was like, this is this is like pure slow dive worship right here. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You towards the end, you have this really sort of fun, noisy guitar solo that definitely, I think, really sort of elevated it from the level of solid I've worship to solid I've influenced, but still, uh, still really cool. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, that vocal approach as well as some of the approach to guitars on this record were 
uh, I think the two major things that stood out for me um, in in terms of that. Yeah, I, I don't know how you felt, but uh, yeah, I, I think there was some really interesting sort of influences both with the vocals, as we were talking about with shoegaze, and uh, the guitars, because I think there was um, the way in which they sort of were willing to use sort of noisy guitar stuff and guitar solos and stuff, but in a, in a, a very restrained way, I think made this record uh, just work so much better than it could have Yeah, been. and like that alongside the production just really brings it to the forefront. It's so like, I don't know, I feel like the visibility, uh, can can you have sound visibility? Of course you can. Sound yeah. visibility on the, on the album is like, it, it's just perfect. Like you, you can see every note and every decision that they made putting this together um and then and then for me like the other the other big change is the uh is the switching drummer um so i felt like i i've, I've always loved the drums that were brought in by um oh god who did the drums on antisocialites it's the guy from um oh, it's mosh mosh fisher rosenberg who um I always remember him because he also did the drums on New Found Interest in Connecticut. Oh, um, cool. Which is like, that's one of those sort of weird small world moments. Um, but I, I, his drumming on that was like super tight. Um, but it felt like, it, it just felt like a very different style compared to what you get on this. And so similarly, I think that switch up makes it sound super fresh compared to those old albums, especially if you're sort of more acquainted with those. Um, and then on top of that, like, I think also the the writing uh, throughout this album is some of the best it's ever been. It feels like significantly more mature than what you were getting on the, say, like the, the self-titled album. Where So on the self-titled album, you might have a, a track like Archie Marry Me, which is like, it's lovely and, and beautiful. I really like that song, but it's sort of beautiful in its shallowness. Whereas every song on this album to me feels like um i don't know i feel like it's it's so much more fleshed out and so much more thoughtful from the start yeah definitely i i there were especially sort of i feel like the standout tracks to me on this record really i think stood out for uh, some of some of the songwriting, I feel like uh, parts of it were sort of hit and miss from that standpoint. But I think the real best songs were just absolutely fantastically written. Uh, the, sort of the the run of first three songs, especially uh, "Easy on Your Own" and "After the Earthquake," I thought were fantastic. Uh, "Many Mirrors" uh, and "Velveteen" as well, I thought were all just really, really fantastically written songs. I think "Easy on Your Own" especially reminded me kind of like. Um, it sounded kind of to me like a cross between like Julian Baker and Vivian Girls, who are a really mm. awesome like, I guess like garage rock noise pop outfit. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, that's not sort of a combination I was really expecting to hear from from a record like this. I just uh, yeah, I thought they took some really really interesting angles uh, and combined that with some pretty great songwriting, and it it just paid off uh, pretty consistently mm. throughout the record. Yeah, that's that's always what you're gonna get with this band. It's like, at the end of the day, it's always gonna be fairly straightforward, like just high quality everything. Stick it on an album, uh, and it'll probably be probably be excellent. <laughs> like, yeah, you're never coming to this band to like expect them to take big crazy risks, um, 
which is cool because I, you know, I think they are some of the best in the business when it comes to just making high quality, safe pop music. Yeah, but I, f- I feel like the fact that um, they've there's, I feel like there's quite a bit of I don't know diversity in approach and sort of the tri- the types of si- the types of songs they're trying to write on on this album, and I feel like um, that stops it from from being sort of redundant or uninteresting at any points. So I think you, when you have uh, tracks like as I previously mentioned, Velveteen, uh, which again is quite is very driving and has these wonderful vocal harmonies. Uh, sorry, vocal melodies, and then you have uh, a more downbeat track off that, but in uh, Tabatel, which is really dreamy and very beautiful. And yeah, I, I just thought that, um, as you mentioned, I, f- I feel like the the thing with this record is just it's high quality, and it just keeps it fresh throughout the the whole thing. And maybe that doesn't result in the most cohesive record of all time, but it's just a collection of generally very good content. I'd say, like generally good to amazing content i don't know i i mm. just yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I just think it's it's an album of good songs that sound good <laughs> you know uh and maybe it's not uh i'd say the most cohesive or realized project but i think just uh everything is sort of on its own merits put together so so well that you can't there's no you don't really feel the need to complain about that you know what i mean Mm. I will say, um, so that there were like a few moments that didn't work for me as much. Yeah. I think when the instrumentation does go a bit weirder, uh, that those were maybe the moments that I didn't love. So like the, the moment that sticks out to me was uh, the intro to Very Online Guy, where you've got the, the sort of little synth, synth tune to, to bring you into the track. Um, and to me, that completely took me out of the whole experience of it. <laughs> it's like it just stood out in a, in a way that I didn't really add that much for me and i kind of would have preferred if it just got like straight into the rest of the rest of the song and just skip that bit out entirely <laughs> yeah and i mean uh that's probably one of i guess like the less interesting tracks as well in my opinion i just that one felt like it it strayed a little bit too close to the sort of 90s uh shoegaze worship at points especially from a vocal standpoint and mm. yeah I, I feel like the the sort of the end of this record is a little weak uh compared to sort of i'd say the first half especially uh is is pretty consistently great actually to be honest the yeah honestly just to find a few tracks is kind of what lets it down a little bit for me uh they just didn't really stick with me as much uh i guess uh compared to some of the earlier stuff but i think it's still still like passable i think just maybe if it's sort of that that phenomenon where you have sort of three not great tracks, but they're all next to each other, so it, it sort of sticks <laughs> out more. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird because like "Bored in Bristol" is an example of a song where it didn't really do that much for me musically, but I also really love the lyrics in that one. Right? Maybe I'm yeah. Biased. Maybe I'm biased, but like, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I did. I did really like the writing on that. So there were still even on those songs that I didn't like as much. There were still all sort of moments that I, I found to really enjoy yeah and actually to be honest i feel pretty similarly about very online guy in the sense that uh i guess maybe the musically less interesting tracks on this thing have the writing to back that up so it never really feels like i don't know 
it never feels like too much of a step down. It, it's no, just, I, I don't. It's just I, the different I don't want them to remove the track. Oh no, no, the track is good. It's just I'm like, oh, there's the, like this little element that I'm not so keen on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, Whereas on on you know on some some other projects we've talked about, there might be a song that we aren't so keen on musically, and we're like, well, maybe we'd prefer this album if it just wasn't there. <laughs> Which yeah, I, you know, that's that's definitely not how I feel about this one. Um, I mean, the the only other thing I've got to to talk about is my experience seeing this band live. Um, so I I, uh, I got the chance to go to the uh, to, to the London show to see them play, uh, the Islington Hall. But they were on uh, exactly 20 minutes before the end of Orteca at the Barbican, which we both went to see. And um, so I, so my experience of watching this band live was I, I sprinted across London for 45 minutes to catch the last 20 minutes of them playing. Uh, and I've never felt a, a chill like walking outside after that gig. Like the, 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 the sweat was just unbelievable. Oof. So I had, a very, I had a very unpleasant time seeing them live, but they, they were really great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering if you did manage to get to that. <laughs> I did, yeah, yeah, I got it. They, they started a little bit late and they played an encore. Oh, nice. um, okay. So I, I, I think I missed a lot of the new songs, which I was quite sad about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think sort of that's all I wanted to mention about this record. I don't know if you had sort of any anything else. No, nope, very, very happy. Yeah, this, this is really cool. Happy to go on to uh, the next release of this episode, mm. which is the new record from Birds and Row called Gris Klein. So this is the the third album from uh, the French post-hardcore outfit Birds and Row. And um, they're a band I've been aware of for quite a long time. I think I saw them a couple years ago supporting Alsace. I thought they were pretty great. Uh, but their recorded material never quite stuck with me. I... I, I've tried with some of them, but I, I just thought they were kind of all right. Uh, but I'd, I was seeing quite a lot of hype for this one, and obviously uh, I was impressed with seeing them live. So I, I definitely, I was like, okay, this is definitely one I should, should check out. And it was one that I ended up being really, really impressed with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you felt, what your expectations were coming in. But for, for me, there was they were sort of moderate to... Yeah, fairly moderate expectations, and I, I feel like this uh, very much surpassed them. Yes, yeah, so I, I was excited for this, but only because I'd seen them as an upcoming release, and I checked out the sort of genres, and anything with post-hardcore or scrams is usually like usually something I'll like. Um, so I was pretty excited for this one. Uh, and it really surprised me, even within that genre, at how confident it felt as an album. Um, so after this, I did go back and listen to the other two, and I actually really liked those. In particular, I liked their first release, uh, "You, Me, and the Violence." I thought it was fantastic too. But um, diving into this one more was was uh, lovely. Like it felt like I think it felt like they had such a hold of um, how they wanted this. Like, like it felt like they really understood from the very get go how they wanted this to sound. And because of that, the project felt like incredibly cohesive and whole, um, to where every track like perfectly complements the tracks around it. And I, I thought the sort of general composition on the album of this was absolutely like, amazing. Yeah, and I I feel like that is kind of the key point about this record. I I feel like the, this this album is so meaningfully 
put together in a way that it just it's just constructed fantastically i think um yeah and they're sort of understanding of of how to make songs that sort of work as songs but also uh, are sort of it's clear that their focus here was making an album rather than writing specific songs and uh i think that was a really really fantastic decision because i think it it just pays off fantastically um yeah uh to sort of i, I guess go into to more depth about what we sort of mean by that i mean i feel like the this record to me at least when i was listening to it and more and more it sort of became sort of apparent to me that i don't know it, it felt almost like sort of two sweets with a, a song in the middle I, I don't know if uh if that was something that how you viewed it but I, I feel like the sort of first five and the last five songs in particular all just go together wonderfully they feel like sort of the yeah feel, feel like sort of 20 minute or so movements uh but but you know instead of being like sort of a a very progressive genre that you would expect that kind of thing from they're mm. they're playing some really really aggressive and fast-paced post-hardcore uh with some again some really really interesting influences that i feel like we're gonna dig into in a bit but i, I just um the way these songs flowed together and fit together and sort of complemented each other uh was yeah really really astounding to me i feel like this is probably the most considered album from that respect i'm assuming i'm gonna hear all year i think just mm. the amount of effort that they put into that clearly from from, from having heard it is just really really impressive just out the gate yeah definitely and like i i felt like the the first track in particular sort of sets the scene for this one the, f the first track I, I was convinced it was gonna be a post-rock record just from like the first right. 10 seconds yeah um and then suddenly they they sort of unveil it. It feels like a little trick that they've played on you. Uh, and they as they they, they sort of they break into the first set of riffs. And um, from that point on, I was coming, I was like, this is going to be great. There's no way they can screw this up now. Uh, yeah, if no. It, which which is a nice level of confidence to have going through. Like they just feel like they know what they're doing from the very start on this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that first track is really key, as you mentioned. Um, you, they sort of have that almost like fake out at the start, and then it goes into, I don't know, it, it's sort of, it's very clearly post-hardcore, but there's huge elements of, I felt from obviously Screamer, but also post-punk as well, in uh, how sort of groovy it was, but also extremely frantic. And I think the the fact that you have these seamless track transitions especially in the, these first five tracks, just make the the first half of this album absolutely relentless. I, like, um, almost, because uh, I, I remembered you you were uh, talking to me about this record, uh, where well, you messaged me about this record recently, but it almost felt like to me, like, post-hardcore's answers to uh, Playbean Grandstand's Rien Nussi Feet, in the sense oh, yeah, that yeah, you yeah. have this constant building intensity over the course of the record, sort of, mm uh not just song to song but just over over the whole album and it's sort of very clearly been designed in that way to 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 ramp up in that sense and i i feel like yeah 
uh, it just reminded me of a lot of the sort of sequencing and approach that you got on that record, which again was was one of the uh, one of the reasons why that was uh, sort of way up on my album of the year last last year. Yeah, I think that's completely uh, completely true. And yeah, the, the the idea of it ramping out throughout is a uh, is very very accurate. Um, not to say that like so. The other thing, I, I, I mean, yes, I, I was, I was listening to a lot of plugging grandstand, and um, I think the comparison there is really apt because the way that album. Uh, so when I when I was listening to that album, there are so many moments from like really blown away by you know the the intensity of what they're what they're doing, and then it seems to lull in a way that like really holds my attention. Yeah, and I feel like this this equally does a, a really fantastic job of like when it when it brings back the intensity and it cools off a little bit, it doesn't do so in a way that kills that kills the flow, which is a problem that a lot of albums like this I feel like suffer from, um, where it ends up feeling like what's what's the opposite of a roller coaster. Like you fall off the cliff at the end of it, and then you're like, "Oh, right, now we've got to build all the way back up." To yeah, not exactly. Um, but also, because obviously you can't, you can't have maximum intensity the whole way through, or it'll be exhausting, unless yeah. you're like doing emo violence or something. Uh, in which case, you do a five minute album. And, like, yeah, exactly. Something. You know, you you, you, <laughs> you can't make like a forty minute album like that. You know, as this is. Well, you can, but it probably won't be great. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with that. I feel like there there are some really interesting points like that. Um, you had the the lead single Nymphius, which is sort of the midpoint of the record, uh, which I feel like is the first point on the album where you get almost like a traditionally structured song in the sense of because uh, I, I mean prior to this, there's sort of no, there's not really verse, chorus, anything. It's all sort of builds and refrains. Uh, and then it sort of, as you say, has that sort of plateau and in intensity. And uh, then you have this really awesome uh, sort of anthemic post-hardcore chorus coming in. And uh, to have that on top of basically just being like punched in the face for like 20 minutes is really awesome. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, no, I, I just thought, uh, um, th yeah, I just agree that those moments are, are really, really fantastic, I think. Um, another, yeah, and to sort of leave on from that, I think another really interesting part of this record is um, not just how uh, stylistically they're able to sort of subvert your expectations for what you would expect from a post-hardcore record, but I think um, sort of tonally too, I think this is a lot more sort of melancholic and introspective than, than you would... Than you would sort of come in expecting if you were sort of sold this as a as a post hardcore record. It definitely sort of leans heavily on sort of the screamo influence from that side, but um, sort of without the the same sort of vocal approach, I guess. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also wanted to talk about um, the way this sounds because, like, compared to a lot of post hardcore records I've heard, I feel like there is not always a huge amount of effort or like, well, it's probably a lot of effort, maybe not as much focus and like intent put into, um, into the production. Yeah. But this has been mixed and mastered by Magnus Lindbergh of Cult of Luna. And uh, yes. I felt like, I, I felt like that was, that was not surprising to me when I read that. Um, 
because it sounds amazing. Like the entire thing just just sounds incredibly like clear and uh, I feel like all the different elements of it sort of fit so nicely in the general sort of soundscape. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't actually know that, but that that um, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like especially, um, yeah, there, there are so many individual elements I think really stood out from that standpoint. I think the vocals uh, mixed wonderfully. And I think just the vocal delivery uh, is, it's very, it's simultaneously very vicious, but also very sort of like pained. And it's just for sort of harsh adjacent, it's not quite sort of like screamo vocals, but it's harsh adjacent vocals, I guess. Um, the I've, the lyrics come across very clear. They, they just sound fantastic in the mix. And uh, yeah, I, I think the other thing that really stood out to me sonically, and also in terms of playing as well, was the uh, sort of rhythm guitar stuff on this record was, I feel like really helped uh, the sort of constant intensity that we're, they were going through, going for at, at parts on this thing. And uh, yeah, I just thought the the playing and the mixing of that was also really, 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 really great. I, it just helped it stand out and really sort of carry the momentum that this record was was trying to to put out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's absolutely like I, I feel like that's really, really accurate. So I guess from there, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the uh, the standout tracks. Yeah. So, for me in particular, there are two tracks in the middle that just like sort of form the backbone of this whole piece, which were actually I guess three. I'm going to bring Nymphias in as well. So Nowhere Cathedral and Nymphias as yeah. like a, a centerpiece to this album, um, I think are the like absolute high points of it uh, to the point where they almost like start to overshadow the rest of the the rest of the project because it's like let me look this up. How long is it? 13 minutes. It's 13 minutes of just genius, genius writing and like super tight, super tight performance. Um, yeah. No, and then uh, by comparison, the rest of it almost looks like weaker. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like the fact that they're sort of the way that it, it's structured together, I feel like definitely um, made it feel like the, the sort of earlier tracks were building to those. Um, but I guess it definitely, I feel like maybe makes the second half feel a little bit weaker, but I, I think the sort of, uh, the way they sort of slow it down a bit after that, uh, and then build things back up again, I think, I think, mm. uh, definitely worked, but yeah, I, I think you're definitely right in the sense that the second half definitely feels slightly weaker after those tracks have passed. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think the first time I heard this record, I, I got through the first three tracks and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I heard Noah and I was like, oh. Oh, this is this is absolutely fantastic. Mm. I mean, it's it's coming from so many interesting places. I think, um, it's a, it, I mean, I don't I don't think I've I'd really heard anything like it before. It's um, one I feel like one of the mo uh, most post punk influenced tracks on this thing, which I, I've mentioned a couple times. But uh, the the intro to it uh, reminded me a lot of Proto Mata, and then it goes into the kind of direction you'd expect from a band like. Uh, like Ogne, the like Italian post rock screamo outfit. Um, yeah, no, I, just from there to there, everywhere in between. I think the vocal performance is standout, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I really appreciated just how frantic it was able to be, but also almost like 
trance-inducing. I don't know. It, it, it was it was very fast-paced, but in a way that kind of just washed over you. Uh, and it just felt very powerful. I don't know. Uh, just mm, yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. writing on top of that as well. Yeah, just yeah, incredible stand-up track. And I think uh, some of the next two after that sort of carry that on uh, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and like by well, so maybe lead, it started to lead towards my one issue with this, which was that um, I wasn't a massive fan of the way it closed. Like it wasn't as yeah disappointing as some albums I've heard this year, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it quite hit the landing. Well, hit the landing, yeah, hit the landing on the uh, on the last track in particular, which was like it was fine, but. Um, I think given the potential sort of demonstrated on the rest of the album, I think it could have been a bit more. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair point. And I agree, probably my only real complaint with the record is, yeah, it, it doesn't end as strongly as uh, sort of it had been to that point. But I think, yeah, no, uh, as I say, the, the track is still fine. Uh, and I think it still sort of works within... The, the sort of context of the record and the tracks prior to it, how it flows into it. It's just maybe not the strongest point to end on specifically. But I generally, I feel like this record is just something that is uh, much bigger than it's the sum of its parts anyway. So I kind of, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to almost judge it too much for that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's going to be fair. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I, that's I think it for that, me, like, yeah, and I did just want to say though there are um, some there are some really interesting points in the second half as well. I think, especially mm. on uh, Rodin, where you have uh, they sort of sort of in testament to I guess the the real I guess um, the the very holistic approach they took on this record. You have sort of um, riffs being reprised from earlier in the record and sort of being recontextualized and uh, just like completely uh blown out in a different way I, I i think any record that has that sort of uses those kind of musical themes and motifs uh is just generally something i always really appreciate i think it demonstrates just uh yeah an appreciation for how to structure an album and make it feel cohesive um in yeah in the kind of way that they have and i think i feel like that again is probably the record's biggest strength Alongside its, I guess, sort of, uh, I guess, very unique uh, sort of style and approach. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think um, this is just uh, a really well put together and also very interesting approach to post hardcore. And I think, yeah, one of the best, one of the most considered and best written records of the year by an absolute mile, I think. Um, yeah, they, it's clear how much effort has gone into this record, and it really pays off. For, mm. Yeah, um, just just really really fantastic. I think if you're, I think if you're just into any sort of heavy music in general, I can't recommend this enough. <laughs> yeah, likewise, it was a, it was a really nice surprise, and um, it's going to be on my rotation for quite a while. I think uh, uh, you know. It's like up there with some of the better albums in the genre, which is like a genre full of like absolute, insanely <laughs> good albums. Uh, yeah, really, really liked it. Awesome. So, uh, do we want to move on to uh, the next record? I I think so. 
Uh, so the next record is going to be the new release from Gilliband, Most Normal. Um, so if you're not, you might you might be familiar with Gilliband through their previous alias. They used to go by the name Girlband, and then they changed their name. I think it was like last year or the year before. Um, but this this is the first first release as Gilliband. Um, and uh, I was, I mean, like, I was pretty excited about this one. Um, I've always liked their releases. Like, I think, I think their, their previous releases have been pretty good. But I really fell in love with the band when I heard their live album. So they released a live album in 2020 called Vicar Street Live. And it's one of my favorite live albums ever. It's just... Every song is turned up to like eleven, um, and they, they 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 just seem like a band that is just so much stronger live than than uh, than on their studio releases, um, and so I felt like listening to this, they were channeling some of that energy that they found from from performing live and, and really sort of put that onto this album. I also saw them live very recently, like three days ago, and. Uh, they were absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, still great live, but I think they've really captured some of the energy and um, and put out something quite special here. This is probably going to end up being one of my favourite albums of the year. Um, if it doesn't make my top ten, top, top ten of the year, I'll be quite surprised. But obviously, like um, I don't know, I don't know how familiar you are with the band. But obviously, you like a lot of noise rock stuff, so I'm assuming you've heard of them before. Yeah. So. Um... I thought I hadn't heard of them because uh, I didn't realize until about five minutes before we were recording that this was Girl Band, who are a band ah. I would never listen to because I thought their name was really shit. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I guess I guess they got me. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, ge- genuinely, that is that is the entire reason I thought their name was crap, so I'd never listen to them. Um, but they they've got a new name now, um, which. Sure, why not? And uh, yeah, I, this is a record I I still don't know quite how I feel about, uh, but it is really interesting in a way that I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I mean, as I say, uh, having sort of going into this, I had completely no expectations because I didn't realize it was a band I had heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. But Immediately, they, the first track on this thing is like uh, the first track, the gum is like going into like power noise, minimal techno territory. It's pretty, it's pretty nasty. Like, uh, and I was like, wait, hang on. I thought this was like I was, ex- you know, because I, you know, I open up the Spotify and I see like dudes in a band, and I'm expecting. I was kind of expecting like a oh, a slightly noisy post punk album. Just looking through, mm. just looking at. Um, the sort of pictures of the band you get on Spotify. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, close, and, it's closer to no, no wave than that. Like, yeah. No, and I mean, just right off the get, I was like, oh, okay, I've completely misunderstood what I'm coming, going in for here. I feel like that's kind of a theme for this episode so far. Uh, my expectations being completely wrong. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, this one was definitely, I feel like, for, uh, yeah, in, in a positive sense. Um, I, I think actually all of them were, uh, but this especially, I, I think, um, yeah, you, as I mentioned, you have some really interesting combinations of sort of genres and influences straight out of the gate. Um, and 
already it's texturally really fantastic, which I feel like you don't get as much from sort of more band-based sort of noise rock uh, artists. And uh, yeah, I, I, there was some really interesting production stuff. The, the drums were like side-chained, like a stupid amount. Uh, and it just made the mix sound really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I was just straight, straight off the bat from that track, I was just really impressed. Uh, and I continued to be impressed and confused uh, in pretty equal amounts as, as the record went on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that is a fair, a fair uh, conclusion to make for this band. If you're not really like aware of, of, of the sound they're going for. I mean, this is extreme by their standards, but like, if you're not, if you're not sort of familiar with that aesthetic, then it, it would be a pretty like crazy experience. I feel like to go into this completely blind. So I'm a little bit jealous of that, but um, especially having heard the live album, like I was, I was kind of, this is sort of what I was hoping for. Right. Uh, in fact, it ended up being exactly what I was hoping for, which is just completely unhinged. And like every song is, uh basically just like a comedic half comedic ramble followed by like filthy noise and distortion all around it and i i really like the fact that they separate the um like they, they basically have like a handful of tracks that are basically just them like running synthesizers as loud as they can yeah <laughs> just to just to, just to make as much noise as possible on there um so I let's let's maybe get into some of the songs because this is probably this this is, might already be my most listened to album of the year. Like, um, okay, but I, I've li I listened to this a lot, and so I'm pretty familiar with the tracks. Um, I'm interested to hear what you thought about the writing on, say, Eight Fivers. Yeah, so it's got it's got this really like drawly um, motif going for it. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean that was. Um... See, this was this. I almost had like just multiple instances of whiplash listening to this album for the first time because <laughs> I had this this first track, "The Gun," which I've already mentioned, uh, which I was like, "Oh, okay." So my expectations were completely wrong. And then I hear eight fives, and I hear the vocals, and I'm like, "Oh, that's what I was expecting," but <laughs> it's a lot weirder. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I I en I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little bit. It was a little bit eye roll worthy. I don't know. I, it it just yeah. felt like a a bit of a a bit of a pastiche of the sort of you know like post punk noise rock uh, kind of thing we're getting nowadays, where you have just there's just a bloke rambling about something on the mic. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't feel like it really did anything particularly interesting from that. Um, and then the sort of from then onwards. Uh, there was just a really, really awesome variety in vocal delivery to the point at which I was almost like, why did you even put that on the album? <laughs> like, it, it, again, it felt like I'd been I'd been completely missold what I was going to get even two tracks into the album. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one, Eight Fivers, because it's like, I, I agree. I, I think maybe like, I, I it felt a bit like um, the way Chat Piles Y did to me, except like intentionally funnier. And not like super depressing. Yeah. Um. But it, it's something that I think will probably not age as well as the rest of the album. Uh, just, just inevitably by like how repetitive the, how, I don't know. It's it's, it's got that kind of that that kind of vibe to it. But um, live, it was an absolutely. I brought the house down live. 
because everyone is like so in for like you, you regain the novelty of the track by hearing it in a live environment and it's like yeah hear it once once in a very very unique setting where everyone's singing along and moshing i i, I went into the mosh pit during this song and i almost instantly lost both my shoes <laughs> <laughs> um so it was a very interesting experience but it, it really it really sort of worked in that environment which is why i've sort of carry on with this belief that this is like basically a live band um right but then bringing that into backwash on the album was yeah. the point where i where i sort of i began to appreciate the uh the develops that they've the developments that they've made with their their sound in particular so like just from the from the from the get-go you've got the um the panning guitar tracks as like the vocals start to come in and then just from there, it basically gets more and more distorted and chaotic until <laughs> basically just like roaring noise uh, straight down your straight down your holes. Yeah, no. I, again, I thought that was maybe the standout track uh, alongside. Mm. I guess um, that was the single. Oh, okay. Uh, I also yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Ben Line of Fashion and I Was Away were also really fantastic. But um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was probably the standout track to me in in the sense that I feel like it just it just delivered a really great balance of I don't know <laughs> it just um, in the in the sense that a lot of time you have under I guess the umbrella that is noise rock you you can sort of a lot of the time bands are either very clearly more of a rock band or more more of a noise band I don't know whether you agree with that but that's something I've I've always felt. And that track really demonstrated to me just uh, the fact that they were really good at doing both. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it just felt like a also, really fantastic combination of, of yeah, yeah, yeah. I can really approaches agree with that. To, uh, to the genre. The the one song that, that uh, I feel like doesn't work for me in this regard is uh, "Almost Soon," which to me felt like it accidentally escaped a Proto Martyr album. Yeah. And, and and ended up on this album. I was just like, well, I guess I'll just blow the I'll just go with it then. Um, other than that, I feel like every song fits that sort of weird, noisy, rocky hybrid really well. The thing, um, yeah. I mean, you say that, but also uh, almost it does have like a noise core breakdown at one point. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that is true. I guess maybe I'm thinking like the first half of that. Yeah, that but yeah, like most of the song is like that. But also, <laughs> um, I don't think I've heard Proto Mata do noise call before. <laughs> Although maybe, <laughs> maybe that will be interesting. Maybe, maybe they, they should. should. Maybe they should. Um, yeah, no, and I think, that, as you say, I think this record just keeps throwing up surprises as it goes on. I think for a 36 record, a 36 minute record, this is so like ridiculously dense <laughs> um, yeah 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 especially yeah. with like so the the one track you didn't mention earlier was the weirds which right. uh again you know we, we talked on the last uh about uh, chris klein about like sort of centerpiece of the album musically and for me i felt like the weirds was maybe one of the strongest songs um yeah it, it, like it's such a vocally versatile song but also i feel like the entire band is just going absolutely nuts in like bringing together um, uh, very fairly like disparate elements of it, and then bringing them together to hit the middle section where it all it all sort of coalesces. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I felt that 
it definitely was meant to be that, but I, I, I don't know. I, it wasn't. It didn't really stick out to me too much uh, in the sense mm. that it wasn't super memorable when I went back to it. If that makes sense, uh, and I felt like just with the rest of the album being very a brief and fast paced, uh, the fact that you have sort of a an almost like seven minute track that I feel like didn't quite do enough to justify that uh, in terms of how it progressed. Uh, mm was maybe not, I don't know, I feel like maybe that's, you know, it's not, I guess, the, it's not the take, but it's my take, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's completely fair. It's not the take, but um, yeah, I think, um, I just, I just really enjoyed the fact that um, they'd managed to put out a record that's, like, simultaneously very intense, but also very playful and very silly, um and yeah i i just uh, kind of adored their their approach to making noise to making noise rock music on this thing and i think not all of it works uh and i think it ends up being kind of a complete mess but like in a good way <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i mean they just have a really really interesting sound and they are just doing absolutely whatever they want on here i think um I don't know. There, there were again some really interesting sort of, I guess, comparisons I caught on this thing. I think uh, the obviously comparisons to stuff like Lightning Bolt, when you have sort of noise rock that's slightly whimsical, is that's always going to be, I guess, a point of comparison. But I don't know. It, it reminded me almost like a mixture between like White Suns and Squid. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's, um, that's completely fair. White Suns is a great comparison. Uh, which like. I mean, that's a completely insane thing to do, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, just like on paper, you, you say that as a combination. Uh, I'm just like, like, why? Why would you even try that? <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, especially on the standout points on this record, at, at the weirdest points of this record, it's just, it's just really fantastic. I, I, I just, I, I appreciated it, uh, the fact that they just seem to be having a lot of fun and putting out just a completely batshit record because they could mm, yeah. i don't know <laughs> um yeah i guess i, I want to finish by saying that um so like for me the the most artistically important song on this album was post Ryan. yes which was like i felt like they actually found a way to end this end this album uh that made sense to me that's Where, a very like, good point yeah it, it actually, like, you know, lyrically and thematically, it just, it all was like, it felt like a, a perfect end. Like, the only way they could possibly end it without just ruining the entire thing. Somehow they, they, they found this, you know, this way to do it. Um, I really, really like that track. Although I will say they, they opened with that track uh, when I saw them live, and I thought it was kind of weird. Like, yeah. Weird choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I was yeah. having too much fun to care, but like I was like, in in retrospect, I was like, why why would you like pick that one? Yeah, it it very much is a closing song in the sense that I don't know. Yeah, I I think um that's a really good song to to bring up because it's one I hadn't mentioned and uh, probably should have because I think it is definitely one of the highlights of the record. And what I feel like I feel like it's maybe the only time this record like makes sense to me. You know, like um you know in in terms of the the sort of overall vision it, it, it sort of once i got to that point of the record i was like okay right we we, we brought it home uh mm. and um yeah it, it the sort of 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it just closed it off well in a, in a way that, as you say, I feel like it feels like it should have been very difficult to do. Uh, as this, I mean, this record could have been this sort of any length with these ridiculous, like silly, noise rock tracks. Uh, like the, you could have had any number of these. Uh, uh, sort of stacked together and the fact that they sort of managed to keep it concise 36 minutes with a pretty definitive and satisfying ending uh was yeah just really fantastic to me um yeah just one of the most one of the most interesting records i've heard all year and one that i'm definitely gonna spend more time with trying to 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 understand how much i actually like it (laughs) because i'm still not quite sure um i definitely like it but i'm not i'm not sure like yeah, to, to what extent, yeah. But uh, definitely That's one fair. of the most interesting and out there noise rock releases of the year. And one that I feel like if you're into, you definitely need to check out just to just from the perspective of like, just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, um, I, I think they've just left the UK, so a bit difficult at the moment. But if you get the chance to see them live, please go see them live. This, this you know, where, wherever you are in the world. See this band live, they'll blow your mind. Um, or if you can't see them live, go and listen to Vicar Street Live, the live album, because it's... I, I, I just don't see how it's possible not to love the band uh, after you've heard that one. Yeah, and that's definitely one I'm going to be checking out, just the, how much I've been intrigued by this thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, are, are we sort of happy to move on to, to the last release of this yeah, episode? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Cool. So uh, the the final release we're going to be talking about uh, on this episode is the new release from Keiji Haino and Sumac called Into This Juvenile Apocalypse, Our Golden Blood to Pour Let Us Never. Um, If that just sounded like a combination of words that didn't really fit together, um, that's just how Keiji Haino does things. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, to, to sort of Introduce the artist Keiji Hano is, uh, I guess, yeah, just a, a legend of sort of noise, improvisational music, uh, noise work especially. Um, his uh, both his solo work and work with bands like Fusitsusha, sort of back in the the eighties and nineties, were sort of very foundational for the kind of noise work you, you'd end up getting in the nineties and the two thousands, and has also made some of the strangest and most interesting sort of. Uh, yeah, just improvisational uh, guitar noise records. Uh, just an absolute like, I don't know, maestro of of just avant garde guitar playing. And mm. we also have Sumac, who are a sort of three piece sludge metal outfit from Washington. Uh, and all three members have some pretty significant prestige. You got Aaron Turner. On, on guitar and vocals, who's uh, obviously been uh, sort of with ISIS and Old Man Gloom. You have Brian Cook, who's in Botch, Russian Circles, and uh, Nick Yashin, who's been in Baptist and Genghis Tron. So, yeah, there's um, sort of going into this record, you sort of have four musicians who have all been in some, been in and been responsible for some really fantastic music over the years. Uh, and yeah, this is the, the sort of third collaboration between the band and Keiji Haino. Um, with the first one, uh, American Dollar Bill from 2018, I feel like being kind of the, the turning point for Sumac as a band in terms of going from being 
kind of like an ISIS side project to one of the most interesting and just boldest acts within the metal scene, uh, sort of taking influence from the more improvisational side of, of Heine's work and adding it to their, their repertoire, I feel like has just completely changed their sound for um, for the better, I felt. And I, I, the, the um, prior record, May You Be Held, from 2020, I thought was an absolutely fantastic demonstration of this. So yeah, I was super hyped going into this one. Um, yeah, uh, sort of, I don't know how much of the, the previous Sumac stuff you'd heard or like the collaborative stuff between Heino and Sumac. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, what were your thoughts going into, going into this one? I, I was really excited for this. Um, I had heard the previous uh, project of theirs. I had heard What One Becomes by Sumac. And I've heard various Keiji Heino releases. I'm a big uh, Fisher Susha fan. That was like one of the first noisy bands that I ever really got into. And it was sort of a big part of me exploring the genre further. So, um, yeah, really, really excited to check this out. And, uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't disappoint in any way. Um, it felt like the perfect distillation of, like, all of the different ideas that Keiji Hino was putting, putting together back in the day when uh, sort of with some of his more influential uh, noise-based outfits... And the the influences from Sumac on this are just incredible um, throughout. It felt like one of their like breeziest, their lightest releases yes. in terms of in terms of uh, accessibility. Like I found like a lot of Keiji Hino stuff in particular, not so much. I mean Sumac as well a little bit, but like not not so much. But like Keiji Hino releases can be pretty tough. Um, mm. And I thought this one was incredibly lightweight. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I think in the sense that um, I, I feel like um, this is one of the. I feel like th this is the point where they've sort of worked together enough that KG kind of understands where where he stands with them and where he's sort of most effective. I feel like mm. um, some of my I feel like biggest complaints with some of KG Hunters, especially with sort of like collaborative improvisational work, is that he kind of just dominates the entire thing. I mean, some of the uh, records with... Um, uh, there's a couple sort of power trio records with Tatsu Yoshida and uh, Bassist, who I can't remember mm. the name of. But um, those records is... Um, they're... I don't know. The Heiner's guitar playing completely... is almost completely untethered from everything else going on. And it is just like kind of a complete mess in a way that in a way separated from what makes sort of free improvisation being a complete mess good i don't know <laughs> uh but yeah i i think the their sort of uh their sort of understanding as as sort of i guess almost like a four-piece band at this point uh has really allowed them to i don't know almost more effectively put restraint into into an album like this i think as you mentioned, Keiji Hano in particular is is much more. I wouldn't say stripped back, but um, is almost working together with a band more than you sort of expect from from a Keiji Hino release. And I think, um, yeah, and I also think like even compared to some of the other Keiji Hano releases, it's the least sort of I guess sludge influenced uh, from the Sumac side. I definitely feel like they're. 
I feel like both sides are coming to meet each other, uh, sort of uh, closer to to their their comfort zone, uh, uh, to the to the other artist's comfort zone, and sort of creating uh, a sort of much more cohesive record than than some of the the prior collaborative stuff between them. I don't know how you felt about that, but I feel like just the fact it just felt like a lot more restrained and a lot more cohesive just because of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think what you said about the idea of the like KG Hino stuff not overly dominating is really, really apparent here. Or almost more so than um gonna have to look it up again. Almost almost more so than the last project that they worked on together. Uh American Dollar Bill. Um where like here I feel like the Sumac influences in particular are really really apparent um and that's great because they both bring so much to the table um but i think that works beautifully i guess what i'm most interested to to see is like how the how the free improvisation performance has really affected that way of doing things because i don't i don't know a huge amount about the background of the album in terms of like the way it was put together um Oh, so so this is um, this is recorded as a as a live record in twenty nineteen, right? So okay. yeah, uh, this is this is done live. So yeah, very, very much sort of on the the sort of free improv side of things. I mean, that's really cool. Like, it's pretty impressive that they're able to put this together in a live environment. It's something that sounds like you said, like so cohesive and so well thought out. Um, I can imagine like a huge amount of <laughs> effort would have gone into uh, to to get this exactly the way they want to do. But I, you know, both bands are really dedicated to that that part of their craft. So uh, it's really cool to see them come together and and, uh, and actually sort of flush this out. Um, it's it's a show I'd love to be at. Like I've never seen. I think I saw Kishihane play in uh, Bristol once, and I wasn't able to go to it. But I feel like that would be an incredible set to go and see. Um, sort of musically as opposed to I feel like they they do a lot more American stuff which is a bit of a shame yeah no absolutely yeah as I'll say I think I I also saw that I can't remember he was playing with somebody else I can't remember but uh yeah I also missed that show and uh yeah I would absolutely love to see something like this live and so to continue on with what you're saying about the the sort of heightened sumac influence on this thing um there's um almost like a much greater sort of structural integrity to the the tracks than you would expect from some of the prior collaborations between them. I think especially the opener really demonstrated that to me because you have this, it's, it's almost like a loose post-rock structure to it in the way that it, 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 it builds and has almost like a narr narrative ebb and flow to the way that they are improvising. Um, in the sense that they're not sort of sacrificing, I guess the abrasiveness and, the intensity of what they're doing uh, musically and technically, but it feels a lot more focused than uh, some of the sort of way out there high no jams that you, you, you'll you hear on, on other records. And I think um, that really set the scene for just, as I say, a, a much more more focused release, which again, as, as a live record is really, really impressive. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely, completely agree with that. It's, um, I, f I felt like it was uh, very difficult to, like, 
So, so I said that this was a, light, a lightweight release in, in the sense that I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to contradict myself and yeah. I'm going to make it make sense after, so don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, so I, I found this like a very relaxing release to listen to, just, just casually and having it on and enjoying it. But when it came to digging into the, uh, the DNA of it, I found it much more dense and difficult. Um, I don't know if it's possible for those two things to be true, but that's, that's how I felt. Uh, so I, I guess I guess that that's why like it was particularly interesting to me. The it, it's it is particularly interesting to me the the fact that this came from a, a live environment. Like I don't know how they are able to. Like I'm I'm really interested in the setup that they're that they're using to put to put all this together, because musically it's like incredibly incredibly dense. And yet, listening to it, it felt like super chilled and easy. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I feel like just uh, in the sense that um, the the tracks were far more structured, as I said, uh, maybe not sort of explicitly, but in terms of uh, the way that they they sort of flowed and and sort of the energy ebbed and waned. I think I feel like um, uh, yeah, it felt felt more sort of focused in that sense. Uh, and also, yeah, as I sort of mentioned, I feel like sonically this is a, a bit less abrasive than in some of those other records that definitely, um, yeah, it, and it doesn't quite have those super long, I guess, like real whacked out, like free jazz, like, uh, divulges that you usually get. So for, um, uh, for example, uh, records like uh, Cuts of Guilt, Cuts Deeper, which I know um, nobody from this record played on, but is sort of a very similar style of improvisational noise rock. And mm -hmm. that album is like an hour and a half long, all the tracks are 20 minutes. Uh, and it just really, really goes places in terms of just like completely out there stuff. And this, this record does not do that. It feels a lot more similar to an uh, another record that Merzbauer's on, and also a record that KJ Heine was on, uh, in uh, An Untroublesome Defenselessness. I don't know if you've heard that one. But, um, uh, I've, I've not, no. Uh, it's, yeah, it's KJ Heine, Merzbauer, and uh, Balash Pandey. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's a really fantastic sort of improvisational noise rock record. I feel like uh, it's one of the only albums similar to this that I feel like had that same kind of restraint to it, uh, where the almost the tracks were allowed to be tracks you know what i mean uh, obviously they're still you know you still have 12 minute songs on this thing but they're, they're not they're not a complete clusterfuck <laughs> um mm. and yeah i i feel like there are just so many interesting moments uh there's uh i think the the sort of um the bass playing uh especially from uh brian cook on the second track uh is really chaotic and groovy at the same time you have these really interesting sort of bass effects being used and then you have uh real nails on chalkboard noise textures uh right. and the the sort of this sort of bass groove is accented by these really interesting sort of delay and loop effects and just uh creating these very strange snaking rhythms over some some of the most like intense noise sections on the album uh and i feel like that it's just kind of a microcosm of uh, how just like interesting and creative th this record is in terms of in terms of the playing because um yeah 
just this kind of stuff can sometimes feel a little bit one-dimensional and this record just mm. really uh, i feel like just as i say i said this a lot but just just feels so much more put together as a record than uh so much of i guess yeah just free improvisation in general especially sort of noise rock adjacent and especially just in the kg hino catalog especially yeah <laughs> well thank you for doing a significantly better job of uh Describing how I felt about the sound of this that I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I feel like the a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, you, you, on the fourth track, we've got um, vocals from Keiji Hino, where he's doing his very sort of esoteric, shouted, weird words being put together, uh, which is great always uh and we finally have some vocals from aaron turner on, on the fifth track as well which is great because he's a yeah. absolutely fantastic vocalist uh i i just think one of the most like i don't want to say scary but just like i don't know his uh in terms of like metal vocalists he has such a presence to him uh that i just just kind of blows me away a lot of the time uh and i feel like this is no exception uh yeah, which I again is another really great addition to a record like this, where you usually it usually be sort of instrumental, uh, owing to sort of the chaotic nature. Uh, and yeah, you've got mm -hmm. sort of a more noise focused piece at the end, which I thought rounded out really nice. I don't know. Uh, I just I just thought this was uh, Sumac and KG Hino raising the bar again. I think um, yeah, all of the most recent. I think, to be honest, all of the Sumat material since um, uh, American Dollar Bill has been a huge, huge step up, and they just keep improving. I think this and uh, May You Be Held, especially, are just absolute statements in terms of uh, sort of the more improvisa improvisational side of heavy music. And I, I just don't, I don't feel like anyone's really quite doing it like them at the moment. I don't know. And obviously, KG Hino is KG Hino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh yeah, I completely agree with that. It's such a they I feel like they make it look like so effortless. Yes. And, um, yeah. It's it's actually just incredibly difficult to do, but like it's not always immediately apparent to people who are maybe like less familiar with some of this music. Yeah, I actually I think that's a really, really fantastic point because um yeah, they, they do make it look easy. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I've listened to more than enough like just really shitty, <laughs> like free improv, <laughs> EAI, free jazz, sort of yeah, improvisational yeah, yeah. music that just doesn't do anything with with the the freedom that you get from approaching music from that standpoint, and um, just the the fact that this record is so considered in, in that sense, and uh, the way they're just able to bring things together in. Uh, I mean, not just uh, a pretty cohesive record, but also in a pretty tight package. I mean, this record comes in under an hour, which, again, for, for these kind of releases, is not always guaranteed. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's just some of uh, both artists' most dense and just richly rewarding uh, records. Yeah, I think this is, this is one that's going to be uh, pretty solidly on repeat for, for me for the rest of the year. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like, it's like the perfect uh, 
little bite size one one of these that I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's just like a nice little noisy album that you could put on and relax to, and it's not too like crazy that you just, it just becomes completely impenetrable. Um, yeah, I love this. I thought I thought it was great. Awesome. So uh, I guess to to round things out, have we got um, sort of stuff coming up that we we wanted to mention? Yeah, there's a few albums coming up soon that I think will be pretty exciting. Um, so there's a, a new Sugar Horse album that I think will probably be pretty cool. Uh, I was excited for the new Carly Rae Jepsen album, but then I heard the single that came out and I, I didn't really like it very much. So okay. I guess I guess we'll see. I'll listen to it no matter what, but um, uh, we'll we'll see how I feel about that. Um, trying to think, what what are you looking forward to in particular? Uh, yeah. So I mean. In terms of, I guess we've been talking a lot about sort of free improv, noisy stuff. Uh, there's a collaborative record uh, from Oxbow and Peter Brotzman uh, mm. coming out on, on Friday, which I am extremely excited for. See, Peter Brotzman, sort of absolutely legendary free jazz uh, composer, and Oxbow, uh, obviously fantastic sort of experimental rock band. Of course, you have Eugene Robinson, who is an absolutely just bonkers vocalist uh so that's something i'm really looking forward to we got a new brutus album i really liked everything they put out today uh so that's very exciting and there's a uh soft pink truth album um we mentioned the sort of uh previous ep as a as a shout out i believe um was it ever real uh and that sort of with a sort of similar art style to, with this album having a similar art style to that, I'm assuming this is sort of that was sort of a companion piece to this album. Uh, and if it's uh, sort of of the same quality, then it's something that is, yeah, really, really going to be something to look out for because, uh, yeah, I think we both absolutely love that EP. I mean, I couldn't couldn't agree with all of those more. I'm uh, there's there's always just so much music coming out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> can never can never be rid of it. Um, okay, cool. Well, in which case, if you were, if you heard any albums that we talked about and sound, sound like something you'd like to listen to, you can uh, go and find links to everything we talked about on uh, our website, www.modulat.io. Other than that, thanks for listening. Cheers.